<laughs> All right, I think we'll go ahead and get started. Let me uh, uh, get, uh, oh boy, we've added a button. Now you've confused me. Um, <laughs> let's see, go live here. What's this open sound? Oh, we get a soundboard now. Oh, that's super fun. All right, so uh, good evening, everybody. Um, thank you for joining us this evening. I, I got a couple, couple few articles to kind of cover. Um, some of them are a little interesting, and then we'll get into some meat and potatoes on uh, uh, some of the stuff Dave was talking about with the reauthorization uh, house bill. Um, he's definitely going to be uh, the most well-read at this point. We'll all get caught up at some point. But um, I do want to cover this one. This one's uh, in Dave's backyard here. Um, so New York, uh, New York City specifically, uh, is rolling out um, permit flying uh, for the city. And uh, so operators must request a permit to fly the drone a month in advance. So you better know when your next job's coming up or when your next shoot's coming up. Uh, must be insured and have prior authorization from the FAA. Um, they must also indicate what exactly they intend to record and the NYPD can uh, deny any request as they see fit. Uh, and not only do you have to apply for this, but the permits are $150. So it's kind of pay to play. Um, so uh, obviously commercial drone operators are uh, uh, balking at this right now. So um, right now uh, there's uh, it's banned to fly in the five boroughs, um, except for a couple of, of public parks, it looks like. Um, so uh, on June 2nd, they propose a new procedure where hobbyists and commercial drone flyers could get a permit to fly drones and take aerial photos of the video uh, and video of the city. Uh, those are going to run $150. Uh, but you need to know, like I said, uh, a month in advance um, what they're going to record um, and must also alert neighborhood community boards and the city council members where they plan to fly the drones and post public notices of areas they intend to record. <laughs> This is going ridiculously too far. Um, it, it's, I mean, oh, but it's, two but things. It's it's, con it's completely consistent with New York City. Yes. This is this this is the city with thirty five thousand NYPD officers, and mm -hmm. you know, so and that's where it's that's where it starts. So it's, you know, if 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 you don't you know have money, and if you're not a white guy it can be a rough place to be. And so if, you know, if you're a person of color flying a drone, forget it. You're in trouble. So now isn't the whole city a no-fly zone to begin with? So yes. this yes. is a possibly a poor attempt a at giving some access to flying. Right. That's correct. Right. But it's done in, you know, perfect New York City form. You know, <laughs> yeah. They're going to make money on it. It's going to take a long time. And if you miss your dates, they don't care. That's yeah. your problem. And here's the fun part. So um, if you get denied after submitting your $150 fee, it's non-refundable. So you don't exactly. get that money back. So they're making money it's, either way. It's New York. <laughs> Forget about it. So, um, yeah. So uh, obviously folks are, are pretty pissed off about this. Um, the fines for uh, flying a drone, $250 for first offense, um, and $1,000 for subsequent offenses. So... I mean, if you're... Hmm. My only <laughs> advice, if anyone 
you know, says, well, I'm going to go up there and, you know, I'm going to try it or I'm going to down wherever you're located. You know, this is a bad place to do test cases of pushing uh, the establishment and because uh, NYPD will come up with uh, additional charges and it'll get very expensive and you will be incarcerated. Otherwise, like $250 for the first offense. I mean, that's cheaper than having three applications denied. Right. Or <laughs> even two. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just a, a, a difficult thing. So, yeah, you know, yeah as Dave was saying, I mean, New York City is, you know, when it comes to permits for, for different things, whether it be drones or for firearms or anything else, um, they they definitely take the cake on this kind of stuff. So right. and uh, uh, bits bites uh, has a comment. Uh, the city is not a quote no fly zone, at least as dictated by the FAA. It's the illegal aggravation navigation navigation yeah. uh, that they're referring to. Absolutely right. And it, and it, however, um, you're up against NYPD. So you know we could say, well, I have the right to fly here, and you know that would you know. That would be a mistake to take that position, and you know, as you know, as someone uh, who who is uh, lives in, in New York. No, I don't live in this in the city. I live uh, <laughs> upstate from this from the city. There you go. All right. So yeah, super. Oh, fun. I should also uh, mention that there are a number of uh, the organizations, including uh, DSPA, looking into this, seeing if there if if there's anything they can do to help. Um. Drone Service Provider Alliance, DSPA, and that's uh, Vic Moss and Company. So uh, this is, uh, um, they have now uh, dictated new colors. So we know what blue UAS are. Those are, um, uh, and, and you're seeing this increasingly. So they've been, uh, the blue UAS uh, program uh, to is a, Department of Defense initiative to rapidly vet and scale commercial unmanned aerial system technology. Um, so you've got the the couple different things there, and and basically this is uh, U.S. made drones as opposed to um, drones made. And I want to word this somewhat appropriately. Um, it's not just China, but it's um, drones made Covered. in other foreign countries who are decidedly not allies of the United States, essentially. Um, so uh, China has sold, let's see, um, created a response to the growing threat of Chinese drones. Uh, China is a major producer of UAS, notably uh, DJI, um, and its drones are becoming increasingly sophisticated. In recent years, China has sold UAS to countries such as Iran and Venezuela, which have used them to attack U.S. allies. The blue UAS program is designed to ensure that the DOD has access to the best commercial UAS technology to counter the threat from Chinese drones. Um, so it's a way of vetting. There's a, a blue UAS list of particular companies who um, are approved through that list. I believe Teal Drones is uh, on there as well as uh, Skydio is on there. Yeah, so... Um, but uh, obviously, this does not extend to things like uh, DJI. Um, those are, are notably not able to be used uh, in significant portions of um, federal and, at this point, some state governments. So um, anything that's funded by the federal government or uh, by uh, some states like Florida is one of them and a couple other states as well. 
are moving in that direction. Um, so now there's uh, the Green UAS. Um, it's a new initiative um, from uh, a VUC that aims to expand the number of commercial uh, UAS that have been verified to meet the highest levels of cybersecurity and National Defense Authorization Act supply chain requirements. It's designed to be more streamlined and less expensive to the Blue UAS certification program. Um, it's based on the same cybersecurity and supply chain requirements. However, the Green UAS program uses a more streamlined assessment process that is designed to be more affordable and accessible to non-DOD customers. So it's designed to be more affordable. Um, it uses the streamlined assessment process that requires less time and resources. Uh, it's designed to uh, uh, meet the program requirements that don't have a DOD contract. So maybe like a, a state would, you know, state governments would fall into this um, uh, kind of ca uh, category is the word I'm looking for. Um, and they're just as secure as blue uh, UAS. But I mean, here's the thing is, um, you know, I don't know, it's a touchy subject, but I mean, is are companies like DJI or what specific data are they gathering? Where are they storing it? These are the questions and, and maybe some of the unanswered questions are the things that uh, concern uh, lawmakers. But at the same time, you know, a lot of this stuff is easily defeated by just partnering with companies and uh, going that route. So I don't know. It, it's a it's a skeptical of um, of green UAS. Uh, I uh, uh, note that uh, AUVSI is also the organization that's charging uh, what is it over eight hundred dollars uh, for the uh, quote FAA symposium in August. Mm -hmm. uh, so they are uh, uh, they also are a strong proponent of uh, remote ID and applauded uh, the FAA uh, for bringing uh, remote ID out, and they have uh, zero. Uh, zero interest in recreational uh, yeah, UAS, 100%. and so their their focus is absolutely laser on uh, commercial. As the, as the uh, the statement in green um, UAS says, it's to further the uh, commercial the uh, companies to be able to get out uh, additional drones. What is also curious is that if someone thinks that uh, our drones are secure from a cyber perspective today, then uh, you know then they've got some education to do. So we'll see what, if anything, if uh, AUVSI improved the cyber position of the C, C, you know, the command uh, and control data streams uh, from controllers to our uh, aircraft, that would be a good thing, but we'll see what happens. That's too bad well, Rob's the... not here today. I'd be curious to see his opinion on this and how he was involved a little bit in um with those states that were trying to pass regulations against Chinese main manufactured drones and like would would they mm -hmm. then would search and rescue or police be able to use these green UAS versus the blue UAS and mm -hmm. just thoughts on that kind of stuff. Yeah, good point. Well, and here's yeah. the here's the flip side that that my concern is is that you've got companies that have zero interest in recreational. However, most if not all of those folks started out recreationally, right? And that's the that's the brain numbing exercise. It's like you are purposefully shooting yourself in the foot with your own future community of, of pilots. Because if you're not supporting recreation, if you're not supporting STEM, 
if you're not supporting um, these initiatives to allow people to continue flying, whether recreationally or commercially, then what are you doing? Because you're you're literally, you know, cutting off your foot just to to push forward a minor initiative while not supporting the thing the feeder the feeder communities, right? So whether that's in you know uh, crude aviation or whether that's in commercial UAS or any of those things so, seems very selfish and not forward looking at all. A hundred percent, yeah, with you on yeah, that. and that, so. that definitely will be you know that is and will continue to be one of our uh, primary uh, pursuits is uh, STEM and education and how that how what we do is a uh, a resource pool for a, the aviation industry. All right, so um, this one uh, is interesting. So it says, Congress tables yet another bill affecting drones, this one via FAA beyond visual line of sight rule deadlines. Um, so the U.S. House of Representatives has added to Washington's fear flurry of legislative initiatives in recent months surrounding future airline drone and next-gen aircraft with a new committee proposal uh, that, uh, among many other things, sets deadlines for creating rule, new rules on beyond visual line of sight operations by UAVs. Um, the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee uh, introduced the sprawling uh, Securing Growth and Robust Leadership in American Aviation Act on Friday at 773 pages and pledged to provide $100 billion in funding over the next half decade as part of the FAA's reauthorization uh, are certainly eye-catchers, but most of that spending would target airport improvements, increasing the efficiency of passenger and cargo flights, and preparing the launch of air taxi and other advanced air mobility services, and facilitating drone beyond visual line of sight. It also this, this, is, this is the Reauth Act. Yeah. It also proposes that most Washington, Washingtonian of miracles of making a regulator more effective and efficient through streamlining uh, and they're saying cuts and reducing FAA waste inefficiency and unnecessary responsibilities. Well, I don't know what responsibilities the FAA still carries, but I mean, they seem to be offloading as much as they possibly can to other people. Um, so, for over a century, the United States has led the world in aviation safety and innovation, but our gold standard status is being threatened by increasing global competition, rapid developments in technology, a shortage of shortage of aviation professionals gee i wonder why and faa's own inefficiency said committee chairman sam graves in a statement on the enormous plan so um let's see as part of it now or wait or wait until later josh no we can dig into it now i mean we're here so okay um uh, I'm looking at a, a page of text. Do you want me to display it? Or... Well, yeah, start please. off with, yeah, if you can share it. What are we talking about? Why Why is okay, the well, FAA up for reauthorization? What does that mean? What are we hoping for? The FAA is uh, given a mandate as well as a budget on a five-year period uh, by Congress, and that is called the FAA Reauthorization Act. The last one was 2018, and there's now um, there it is a, a bicameral and bichamber uh, piece of legislation this year, uh, which is a little unusual. So we have a House version and a Senate version. Uh, the House version uh, is officially in our hands, as is the Senate, 
Um, the House uh, is trying to get this uh, voted on and approved uh, by the end of June, and a, the Senate uh, help, hopes to come to uh, uh, approval. Then uh, they have to get together with the committees, the, uh, uh, the two um, subcommittees on aviation and transportation, and then by September, they want to have a voted and approved, agreed to single bill. That's our process and how this works. So great, great point. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, and just to, to point out how important this is, the last time this happened, we got things like remote ID and everything that goes along with that. Uh, so huge things could really affect us in this reauthorization act. Yeah, the quick and dirty of it is is that you know the reauthorization sets the 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 money for the FAA that they have to use over the next five years, and it also sets the the tone that the regulatory body uh, has going forward. So uh, Congress basically gives the FAA its mandates uh, for the next five years, what it wants uh, them to work on, what it wants them to drop, you know that kind of thing, and uh, and then they are expected to move forward with that. Um, and a lot of that stuff comes with uh, deadlines, which the FAA blew all their deadlines this last, uh, this last five years. Yeah, that was um, gonna start out with the, uh, with the comic relief uh, on the deadline, which is on the screen <laughs> right now. So this is uh, section 609, Beyond Visual Line of Sight in the House uh, uh, FAA Reauthorization Act of 2023. This is a draft bill at this time. It is still in committee. Uh, so in general, no later than six months after the date of enactment of this uh, act, the administrator and the FAA shall issue a notice of proposed rulemaking establishing yada, yada, yada. So they're going to do an NPRM on BB loss within four months. I think they're two to three years away. So we'll see, we'll see how that works out. Um, highlighted yeah, section. Was, Go ahead, Blunty. I was just going to say, wasn't the last, <clears throat> the last reauth was actually supposed to be in 2015, I think, right? And then it got... I believe, from what I was reading about, 2015 was the original expiration, and then they got multiple short-term expirations. And then the FAA Reauthorization Act of 2018 was the final settling for the five-year actual reauth. Yes. I believe. Okay. Yes, and then there was uh, t 2015 and 16, where there was the, uh, the, the famous Section 336, which was uh, a, a, a carve-out for recreation, and then that got um, uh, repealed in uh, their reauthorization of 2018. So that's why we have U um, drones and model airplanes as aircraft under the authorization of the FAA as, as dictated and mandated by Congress. So this is the one that, that worries me a lot. Uh, and let's see if I can increase this. Uh, is that going to work? It's yep. pretty visible. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Established protocols as appropriate for networked information exchange, including network-based remote ID identification and support of BV loss. You remember that we fought uh, long and hard in the initial remote ID to get rid of networked remote ID. And we've been saying we're very nervous that network remote ID is going to come back, and it's going to come back as, a con as part of unmanned traffic management. Well, here it is as part of Beyond Visual Line of Sight. And there are absolutely references to this in uh, unmanned traffic management as well. And well, here's, the, here's the question, though, is, is, you know, for Beyond Visual Line of Sight, 
And, and when the FAA is talking about beyond visual line of sight, what are they primarily focused on, right? Is this going to be drone delivery? Is this going to be... Um, uh, well, if they else? don't change their like definition, it, it would include flying with FPV. It would include it could, going yeah. behind a billboard. It would include everything. And it, it also includes AAM, and so advanced air mobility. Uh, so this is from small to very large. So, so from... Small, you know, from two hundred grams up to, to yeah. eight yeah. as eight hundred and eighty thousand pounds was the uh, the classification that we were using in the BB loss arc. Now, for us, so, if they sort of changed the definition a little bit and didn't include like local beyond visual line of sight or FPV flying as part of this, then that changes things. But that's not what we're seeing yet. Right. So here, here's the. Uh, um. So this. He, Folks have heard about the uh, characterization of something called Part 108, and that was a, a placeholder. It's nothing official, um, but we have Part 107, which is uh, uh, also known as the commercial uh, drone license uh, for you know, to fly a drone commercially in the U.S. And then to fly uh, true beyond visual line of sight, the recommendation was another level of education. That's what this is talking about. So this is now... Uh, in this is mandated so this this is congress telling the faa you're going to do this you're going to institute something and you know so you can read between the lines here this is the this is the wording around the part 108 then again back on schedule for comic relief no later than 16 months after the date of enactment of this act we'll have a final rule <laughs> cool <clears throat> right okay Russia. so there's more, uh, more in that. So if you want, I can, uh, I can stop. But this is that—that nope. that was the BV loss section. Oh, real no, quick. Think, oh, Go ahead, Plenty. And, uh, I, and so we, we're delighted to have you on this call, Plenty. And we apologize that we can't see you. So please do keep interrupting. Okay. No problem. Uh, yeah, technical difficulties. Anyway, um, so in the original. I don't remember specifically, but do we remember if in the original version of when they told us we needed remote ID, like when they told the FAA, hey, you need to build in remote ID, did they also include something about networked remote ID? And then no. through the NPRM process, we fixed it, or it wasn't specific enough? The FAA made up all this stuff, and then there we rejected it. Right? There was a remote ID arc that okay. uh, predated the um, remote yeah, ID NPRM, the ARC recommended that the FAA consider either network or broadcast. And so in the NPRM, they instituted both. So you had to have both, which was ludicrous. Right. So gotcha. happily, uh, it was then stripped out to just broadcast. But there's lots of people still other... trying to get network remote ID back in. So Absolutely. the other question well, it's is a money maker. In the UTM stuff, the, there's a video that uh, XJet went over that we might talk about or might not, but it's a UTM video from the FAA. And in, in the UTMs, they talk about these um, these lanes or channels. There's like layers of the sky where they would put these drones, these these uh, specific pathways and stuff that they fly. 
And I wonder if there can be a way to bend this to suggest that the network stuff only needs to happen, that those elevations are in those lanes or channels. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, so there is a whole uh, UAS traffic management or UTM section, se section 610 in the Reauthorization Act. That video is going is is rife with misinformation. And so right. it mixes uh, current uh, regulations with wouldn't it be nice if, and so, you know, I won't say fiction, but it's close. Um, gotcha. So. I, I was going to say, I had never heard anything about these lanes or offsets or heights and, or whatever. And what right. they're, so what the, in the video, a number of the uh, spokespeople are from Virginia Tech, great school, and they're doing great things in UAS. And what they're talking about are use cases that they're getting grant money for and bless their hearts i'm serious it's a good thing you know this is a a good use of grant money to get some stuff done on a schedule and why not have some engineering students work on it so i'm all for that but the the way that it came across is it sounded like it was mixing in in terms of well this is the way it's going to be and so in one when they were talking about griffiths uh um Air Force Base. Uh, I didn't know if it's, it's probably no longer even Air Force, but it's still an airport up in Syracuse, New York. That's part of the New York State Corridor, uh, which is a test bed. So the uh, part of the reauth is also the seven uh, locations across the United States where there are test corridors for this type of work. So it is okay. not a blanket BV loss. It's and so in New York, there's this 50-mile-long corridor where you can go up and fly. And if you hear Nuair, N-U-A-I-R, it's a not-for-profit that manages uh, that organization. That's where uh, Andy Thurling was working for a couple of years. So good group, doing some good things. But this video is like, whoa. If you don't, you know, if you didn't have a a, a, a decoder, a secret decoder ring to understand what was going on in that video, and we may part, you know, we may pull it apart a bit, and do a, a fact and fiction uh, on it, because I think it's it's really bad that the FAA published that video and got behind it because it says, oh yeah, we're going to do all of this. Yeah, I don't think so. Right. So the and the the so there is a one of the things in the uh, in here in the. Um, FAA Reauthorization Act is there's a reference to the recently published uh, UTM CONOPS, CONOP, which I'm pretty sure is CONOPS 2.0. And the, the recently published is August 2022. So I guess in government speak, that's recent. Um, and we've read it. Uh, we've participated. They also referenced the uh, UTM working group in uh, uh, the ASTM. So uh, they're pushing, again, no alert in 90 days act under this act, administrators list feedback on stakeholders on the recently published UTM concept CONOPS, that's CONOPS V2 uh, in the vernacular, uh, and we'll have a final concept of operations no later than one year. So this is really important to us because the, U the unmanned traffic management pertains to air mobility as well as small UAS. So this is all about bringing back network uh, remote id as well as setting up a federation of companies who are going to manage and charge for 
traffic management of the airspace for drones. Possibly making it so you can't fly if you don't pay first, you can't take off, all that stuff. Check, check, and 100%. check. So this is where it gets really important for us to uh, get very vocal about the need to cart for carve-outs for recreational. So, um, so that's the UTM piece. Then there was a what uh, sec around section sec starting around I think it was six oh three six oh two was the, uh, the the UAS section. So that's where I focused. There were also also other sections that looked of interest, but when I read them, uh, they didn't have anything of benefit to us. So I just skipped past it. This is an interesting one. So the the GAO wrote a a scathing report that was cited in a number of the testimonies in front of Congress on the uh, reauthorization bill. And so now the GAO is being uh, asked to write another report. And so the Comptroller General of the U.S. shall conduct a study of technologies and met methodologies that operators may under aircraft to detect and avoid aircraft that may lawfully operate on. So this is another one. It's like, e because DAA is all, this is all about, uh, uh, the the issues that we had in the BV loss arc and where we uh, got into arguments with um, the helicopter community, uh, AOPA and ALPA. So it, it's not that, you know, uh, I'm not drawing any lines. It's just that this is a highly contentious area and one that we have to pay strict attention to because, again, this is going to restrict our ability to fly. Uh. This is yeah, same thing here. Is it? I just is there any way to put positivity in this at all? Is it possible that their their conversation of detect and avoid gives us benefit for something like shielded operations, right? Like, you know, if they force detect and avoid to be a thing, you know. I haven't. Yeah, I I I try to be a a glass half full guy. I'm struggling with this one. So who I mean, has the hard to detect is, and who has to avoid? If your that drone was, has to do both. Aircraft systems. Yeah. Well, this you're on a, an important point, Dan. It said in in this mandate, it says that the drone will always yield right away to the crewed aircraft. So that's, I'm sure that the HAI and ALPA people are celebrating that phrase in here. So that would mean your FPV drone, your model aircraft would have to detect an airplane in the area and automatically avoid it. Check. Check. And, and here's and the problem, it, right? So then you're liable. And here's the here's the problem, right? The amount of technology to broadcast a signal like remote identification, minimal. Uh, the amount of technology that you would have to put on a drone to establish detect and avoid is insane. I mean, it's lar larger, and so it's, yeah, it's getting smaller and smaller. And you you can look at Iris and companies like that, and it's awesome. You know, it is getting to be, you know, micro, but you're ab absolutely right. We're not, you know, we're just saying, you know, oh, when, so when I say it's getting smaller, that means, you know, maybe we can have a drone that's a couple of pounds. Maybe. Yeah, the whole right. 250 gram or less drone rules doesn't matter. You can't even fly anything less than three pounds. Right, right. <laughs> that's that's the implications here. So, and, and I'm not not being an alarmist this is what we you know this is what we were uh, arguing about in the bv loss arc so it's it's depressing to, for me to see this uh, codified in, in the reauth um 
let's see, the next section, remote identification alternative means of compliance. So I was, I got excited. I was like, oh, great. There's going to be a, there'll be a carve out here. And I don't think so. So this again is uh, come up with a report to determine the feasibility as to whether unmanned aircraft manufacturers and operators can meet the intent of uh, uh, the of the final rules or alternative means of compliance, including through network-based remote ID. So now, it's not so like you don't have to broadcast, but you sure have to connect. Right. So <laughs> now, if they like, were oh, saying an alternate means of compliance mean would mean Korea. You could have a home-built aircraft flying Part 107 and use a remote ID module. That would be a great alternate means of compliance. Exactly. Exactly. So, but they got to sneak uh, in that network-based remote ID any place they can. Right. So we've seen it. You know what? Two, three times already. So this is obviously a recurring theme that is bad. Okay. Acceptable levels of risks. Trying to remember why I picked this one up. Oh, I think this one was. Uh... Oh, Except that's right. Levels of this risk. is T. This is T loss. So yeah. here's my. <laughs> here's the, the positiveness. <clears throat> if, if the FAA selects target level of safety as the acceptable level of risk methodology, this would be positive. So this would say, okay, we're not going to use weights anymore. We're not going to use kinetic energy. We're going to use a more modern methodology that we put forward in the uh, T uh, tasking group 11 uh, with the ACK and you know, uh, brought forward largely uh, by Google Wing. Great, you know, great thought process. And it uses the notion of frangible um, uh, aircraft parts. So, you know, it's thinking about really what's the damage that an aircraft could do uh, to a person, and you know, if you know anything about Google Wing uh, delivery drones, you know the fuselages are made of foam, so they don't kill people if they run into them. So, good, good work. Uh, this one could be this one could be a, a hugely important to us because this could say we're running larger, much larger drones, but they're safe because you know, they can break apart, or they're not going to not going to image people or injure people because of the because of the appropriate measurements. Uh, then I, I, I copied in. All right. uh, go ahead. Sorry. If no, I'm no. going to say positive things, then I got to say negative things. That in <laughs> that also could mean that they have a, a bad level of acceptable level of risk that they decide to use some even worse methodology, and yes. then we could get we could lose 250 gram exception. So. Without a doubt. And in fact, the recommendation and the framework that we were commenting on in TG11. Uh, said that they wanted to simply take uh, the crude aircraft um, uh, numbers of fatalities per year and change it by, I think it was three orders of magnitude, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, whatever the number was, you know, so just use the, the acceptable level of fatalities per year and alter it for uh, UAS. And of course, you know when you when you're multiplying zero, you know your your head explodes. So it's, you know, what are we trying to achieve? So, yeah, we're up against uh, a bureaucracy, and um, uh, we need to educate people on uh, on the benefits of target level of safety. And That's if they the go nicest way, I can say it. If they go too far deep into the weeds of like velocity and mass, and you you could get like, oh, you could fly a fifty gram drone at forty miles an hour, but you can't fly a two hundred gram drone at twenty five miles an hour, and all kinds of crazy right. rules. 
as Tony Nanini's you know description when you're using kinetic energy is which would you rather be hit with a bullet or a basketball you know a basketball being thrown at you or a bullet being shot out of a rifle they both have an equivalent um, kinetic energy because the bullet has a very low mass and a very high velocity and the basketball has a comparatively much higher mass and a much lower velocity so hence the common sense and the the, the you know we need something you know reasonable for target for uh, an acceptable level of uh, uh fatalities oh reasonable that we yeah, lost know, reason a long time ago yeah, so in in here there is a fair amount of money uh, for uh, training, and so along the lines of uh, lines of STEM and things like that, I, I highlighted this because okay, you know we're uh, we work closely with flight tests. They have a STEM program. This caught my eye. So there, and most of this is for college level. I don't think I found anything that had a dollar, not a dollar, to primary or secondary. Uh, uh, education. All of this was uh, collegiate, which is not Ooh. smart, but no. that's what it is. Uh, okay. The more. Oh, and then as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, we were just starting up termination of Advanced Aviation Advisory Committee. So you've heard me for the last couple of years talk about the DAC and the AC, Drone Advisory Committee and the Advanced Aviation Advisory Committee. We are dozen of tasking groups that we're on. The Secretary of Trans Transportation may not renew the charter of the advanced aviation. So, okay. So that's given, giving the uh, FAA the authority to terminate the act. <laughs> is that actually saying you can decide not to, or is it saying no. you may not renew it? You can't do it. No, you will not. It, it's <laughs> not, not, a, it's not an ask. It's a tell. Tell. <laughs> Mandate. <laughs> yeah. Right. You will not renew this. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, that does look like an amphibole to me. Okay, so let's say that it's dead. Muerte. Yeah. Um, and this is no surprise. We were uh, hinting at this because we said, isn't it interesting? At the last ACT meeting, there were no new tasking assignments. Hmm. Okay, so they replaced it with a brand new and shiny ad advisory committee with one dozen representatives and the level of uh, recreational representation in the 12 members is zero commercial, commercial operators, operators manufacturers manufacturers right counter counter on man so this is cool right so it's good uh, uh okay uh, rss these are um utm uh, unmanned traffic management companies right these are the companies that were the Federation of Companies that will be running the unmanned traffic management. Uh, all right. Yeah. Community. Commu well, we get community oh, advocates. We, I yeah, mean, but we know that this will probably be a UVSI. <laughs> yeah, of course it will. Yeah. Don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Maybe we so, should form a union and then we can get in on the labor. Yeah. Uh, labor, labor I like that. part of it. I like that. Okay, so this unfortunately, no before you fly, unfortunately, is a marketing campaign. It's not uh, coding, so they're going to spend a million dollars a year to tell us to use uh, no before you fly. And that's all oh. I had out of the, uh, that's right. it. Notably, so. something that's uh. missing is no mention of raising the 250-gram registration limit. 
nothing on lower lower the limit, nothing on FRIAs, uh, other than uh, it'll FRIAs will be uh, managed with priority. Right. Uh, nothing overall, just effectively nothing on recreational. So. Well, we already heard oh, recreational oh, rules are done. So did, why would I they? Did, yeah, that's right. I did, I did not include, but it is part of this in here where it's, so we all remember that um, uh, in the Reauthorization Act 2018, uh, talked about um, up, uh, institutions of higher education and that explicitly uh, was defined by the FAA as meaning college level uh, institutions. They have amended that to add primary and secondary schools. Mm -hmm. That is positive. And, that, and Tyler Dobbs of uh, the AMA has been pushing that. Uh, so our kudos and thanks to uh, the AMA uh, for getting that added in. That is a positive. So just quick glance at, because I pulled this up, and again, fresh reading literally as, as Dave is talking, but in the entirety of the recreational operations, they are amending some 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 words they're inserting some clarification and uh they really added the free portion in which they will like dave said uh address those with priority supposedly yeah whatever um, prioritize means right so um who's priority right <laughs> right so and you rem and we remember the that their here. target is four thousand not 79,000, which is our estimate of how many FRIAs would make sense. And this is the, the House, right? So have we seen mm -hmm. hide nor hair of the Senate version? Yes, we do. I have not um, cracked it yet. Uh, okay. We have the official version. Uh, uh, so uh, again, our thanks to uh, the AMA for getting it to us uh, a couple days early. Uh, we mm -hmm. appreciate that. And we also now have the official version um that uh Blunty found up on uh on the uh on the web so okay. they're both and they're both coming out of the uh aviation subcommittees from the respective uh, chambers right all right well i mean there's a lot to digest over the next little bit so um and uh dave mainly process here same as always we we digest what we can get calls to actions uh sent out as quickly as possible and then right. this is going to be a hardcore reach out to your congressperson kind of moment right so uh we'll get through this uh quickly um right because the and... any changes to the bills will happen now you know like post signing right. so right now i'm sure that's my speculation but you know you've just finished a document at 770 pages. You're trying to get it voted and approved on in the house and the house is not a functional organization right now. So that's challenging enough. Then once you get it approved, then you have to get together with your counterparts in the Senate with their approved bill and reconcile to a single bill. So it's at that point of reconciliation, probably July, that we have a small window of possibility of um asking for some changes right of course so, you know the level of noise will be very high uh, for the, the staffers working on this if we expect a stall like we talked about like where we get this like two to three year stall where does the stall happen in process i'm sorry i'm i'm not following well, so, like, this doesn't we get approved 
Oh, I don't. I think it will get approved. Oh, well, we talked yeah. about how you said you. I mean, you expect it to take maybe two to three years for this to all go through or whatever, right? Like That's we just about, like, the. Where the original FA reauth was 2015, but we we got extended by short. You know what I mean? Like we talked about, and then we got 2018. Yeah, they could have a continuing resolution to to keep up the budget and continue on with the previous. But I I think that they the entire Congress would meet with such frustration. Uh, it, it would not be prudent. I mean, the 28 the Senate vote on the 2018 reauthorization was 100 to zero. So, you know, it, it's akin to uh, voting against a uh, uh, a uh, a defense bill in time of war. I mean, it, you know, I think we saw during the Notum debacle earlier this year how sensitive our country is to disruptions in uh, our uh, aircraft industry, including airlines especially airlines. And so, Blunty, when Dave earlier was talking about some of this stuff would take years, in this draft bill, they say the FAA will do such and such in four months. And we were saying, oh, they're not going to – the FAA Probably won't get their years, things yeah. done that they're mandated to do for years. But this bill will get passed. Okay. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So they, they've got these these dream dates, and, and uh, we know how the FAA operates, and, and if they're going to be – there's I mean, no, the, no, the consequences. Fat, no consequences. No consequences if they don't meet those dates. So. Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, that's the, the big thing. And I agree with Dave that, you know, this will probably uh, in some form or fashion. I mean, the deadline, I believe, is September that this needs to go through by. So um, I would. Fiscal year. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's going to need to, you know, move fast. And. Uh, the fact that it's coming out this late, I think, is is you know the the stressors of of what's going on right now. So uh, we'll see what happens. We're definitely going to dig into both of these and and see what we can uh, glean from them. And uh, I mean the the good part is is that it doesn't seem like they're radically changing recreational at this point. But you know what that looks like on the on the other side of it remains to be seen. So. Um. Yeah. Thoughts, ideas. Yeah, we may. It, I mean, it's sounding to me like we may be pushing. I never thought I heard. I would hear myself saying this something akin to a section three three six, a carve out for recreational. Something mm -hmm. that says that we can continue to fly recreational UAS for uh, into the future. Well, and here's the thing too, right? So the the key part of three three six originally was is that they weren't allowed to make new rules, right? And the the reauthorization of uh, 2018 removed that. They they struck that right. and and then uh, started, so, uh, started so an us down this path, right? So an expansion of 44809 is probably what mm -hmm. we're, we're, you know, we'll look at. And probably around network remote ID. And so that uh, 44809, you know, you know forever requires, you know, as long as the mandate exists, requires broadcast remote ID. That would be very beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, someone asked earlier, talking about rejection of FRIAs, since our last meeting, we've had more FRIA rejections, correct? I think um, Alex at least has had a few. Um, the FTCA has had some more. Uh, the FAA 
as far as we know, has not and probably cannot yet approve any, but they can find reasons to reject them, such as, oh, this is over a private residence, so tough luck. You can't you can't have a free uh, in your backyard. We're just flat out saying no to those, which right. we don't agree yeah. with. Tech- yeah, and no, TextJack says that Joshua Bardwell got rejected. Yeah, that was ours. We submitted that for uh, Joshua. Alex did. And, and here's, here's it was rejected for the same right? reason my backyard was. It's just very generic. Said, oh, yeah, this looks like a personal residence. That's not allowed as a Freya. Right, but there's a difference here too, right? So Joshua Bardwell conducts business from the same place where he resides. So, I mean, essentially... Uh, is it a commercial property? Is it a residential property? Is it a blended property? And should it, that he has more towards... other people flying at his property than I do? But right, hundred percent. Right. So and, and so that from a process perspective, what's happening to us now is we're getting denials, and it has a very, uh, very, very brief uh, rationale as behind the denial, and then when we ask a question, we're directed to the generic. Um, FAA, uh, CBO, um, email I think it was Fria, Fria at FAA.gov, but yeah. So it's a generic, and there it appears that that you know, probably gets handed out to a rota, and so we're not really sure if the person who handled the first application is the person who we're talking to, but the responsiveness has been uh, near nil. Now, Dan did get a res- one response, when so, you know, when somebody higher up the chain referred the message to them, I got a very quick response for one day, and then one any day. more responses that after that it. disappeared. Right, none, none. So, so imagine you're going into a Department of Motor Vehicles. You want to get your license, or you want to get your your Harley registered, <laughs> and you go up to one line. They tell you to go to another line. You have to go to the back of that line. Well, this is worse because there's no line. You're not sure. You know where the building is, but no one wants to talk to you. And no one will answer a question, and you won't get the form, and you have to guess what the what the blanks are on the form. You go it's take your number, but your number's never called. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So we're working <laughs> That's on if you the, can get somebody who knows where how to get in the building will tell you how to get in the building because otherwise you're trying to figure out which door actually gets in the place you're trying to get right so we're not sitting quiet um just saying oh woe is me we're taking action and we're escalating this up the chain in uh the faa surprise surprise executive management in the faa is being very quiet on this so we're really uh we're, we're 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 being professional about it we're you know, we're asking you know civil questions, uh, and but we're uh, working it up the chain. And the only recourse seems to be if you get a rejection, submit a new application and change it in some magical way that you think it might get approved this time. Right, and the turnaround so far has been a, the median uh, period has been about six months. So you know, yes, some of uh, some of the tail conditions we you know, we are hearing about uh, faster turnaround on. On a resubmit, that's good, but we haven't, and, if, and as Dan said, we have not heard of anyone, and we've uh, polled the other three um, CBOs, STEM plus C, FDCA, and us, or the other two, I should say, um, and uh, none, none of the three of us have uh, received any uh, approvals. I have we not assume the AMA, the AMA has, has not had an approval, or they would be telling the public that they have approvals. Mm-hmm. 
Agreed. And we do feel that the programmatic environmental assessment or PIA FRIA is or P FRIA is uh, a uh, probably a requirement or requisite checkbox uh, that the FAA has to check before they can approve a uh, FRIA. We've asked that question. Is that the case? We do not have an answer to that question. And we think that is in sometime in July that that process, the period they have to wait for that to happen, that's right, is done. Yeah. And so, right. So we think July, August is the period when the PIA, P FRIA will be in put in place, uh, at which point they will start approving. And that, and then most places will need to go through part of that assessment at least. But it looks like, you know, from the way it's worded, they say existing flying sites, which isn't defined, but we assume that means AMA fields get a pass, basically. So we would expect to see that at that point, we see a rush of AMA fields. Um, and we can only hope that we find a way to convince them that us telling them somewhere is an existing flying site means an existing flying site and we can get them to approve it through the PIA process. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and here's, yeah. the, here's the fun flip side to all of this, guys. Is the FAA hasn't had an actual director in two years. <laughs> so it's been well, acting Billy, director. Billy Nolan oh, uh, was there for a little while. He was acting. Well, he was acting. And right. now we've got uh, now he's now, we've got, now he's got a good a good job in the private sector. Of course he does. Archer and now we got uh, Miss Trottenberg, Polly Trottenberg. Yeah. Um, no aviation. So, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I'm just going to toss this out. I don't know if anybody saw the the guy, the original nominee before this, uh, um, getting interviewed in front of Congress, couldn't even talk about any of the regulations, and they even brought up Part 107 in the questioning, and he just had no clue. It's the most cringiest, saddest piece of <laughs> congressional testimony I think I've ever seen. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, well, I I'm, would. You know, I'm trying to figure out. You know, like if you're up there and you know on the Beltway, and if you get recommended to be the administrator of the FAA, it's like do a little research did before. I, did I piss someone? Did I piss someone off? Is that why they're they're putting me up for this? <laughs> I think one of the funniest things about that is you rarely get to see. Like you see a bunch of those people you work around and work with when you work with the government, mm. but like you don't ever get to see them on a stand saying they don't know the things you know they don't know. So that was kind of fun part of it, right? Because you know yeah. they don't know a lot of this stuff, but you don't ever get to see them put there and ask directly, and they have to answer. So that, like, to me, that was kind seat. of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we're not exactly sending our best. So Okay, so um, KBS Ken put up a, uh, posted a, uh, uh, a URL with uh, FAA UAS Data Delivery Service. Uh, I've not checked that site, but we have checked all of our uh, individual uh, dashboards, which uh, we access via drone zone. Yeah, and the FAA is supposed to put any approved free on the the um, facilities map, I believe. I don't know how I mean, that could be delayed, but sure. Okay, here we go. Let me let me just share this real quick. I'm going to pull this up. So, going live. So, this well, is the so, recreational so, flyer fixed sites. So, to be clear, fixed sites are defined places inside of controlled airspace that you've defined as a flying location. And there's no, there's and an not agreement. the same as a FRIA. 
Yeah, there's an agreement yeah, that yeah. those that they have to fly there. And a fixed yeah. site is not a Freya. Yeah, so they you can could be have both. a fixed site and a Freya. Yeah, to, to get a Freya in a controlled airspace, you need a fixed site, I believe, is how it works. Something like that. Yeah, in the the uh, advisory circulars, it, it could be it, you know the Venn diagram could be two circles. Uh, now, per the reauth, it uh, it sounds like uh, they're going to be completely uh, coincident. Yeah, so it doesn't look to me like Freya's are shown on this site. No, it doesn't look like it either. Because it's only the fixed sites, uh, flight restrictions for UAS, and then a facility data map. So just, I would uh, imagine it will show up here when there are for yeah, free I would hope there would be another category for data. That they would show up on the facilities map, like where it shows the height restrictions and controlled airspace and everything. Like, okay, so the whole big map, eventually they're, okay. So then you may be able to Because I think some AMA that. sites show up on that map if you zoom in. Fun. I'm working on it here. There's a filter, so maybe you can find, let's see. So this is... Nope, that's not right. Boy, I'm impressed. I've never had the uh, facility maps uh, website stay up this long. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it yeah, works. It works well for me. I don't know. <laughs> this is actually just the data. This is not the actual map. So ah. this is just giving you. This doesn't have the uh, height restrictions or, or altitude restrictions or anything. This is just the data off that that map. But I, I mean. You have to zoom in to find stuff. I'm just looking in and around. Yeah, I'm not. Anyway, as far as we know, yeah, there definitely have not been any approved free. I'm sure and we if you, will. If you do go to the map, you can zoom in and find recreational flyer fixed sites, at least are on those, mm -hmm. those maps. They show up as like little yeah. blue dots you can zoom in on. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah, so definitely interesting information. So. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, we'll keep a we'll keep a watch on the space. Um, we will be in Flight Fest this next and other week. Things, other things we're working on as well is we've just submitted comments on BV Law. So the FAA asked for comments that were due June today, and we put them in two days ago. Uh, next on the docket is a comment on the new noise policy. That's due July thirty first. That one's pretty important, and it sounds like, wow, that's goofy, but uh, the number one uh, crewed aircraft issue is noise. So lots of uh, research here, and this is a the FAA asking, should we have a new policy on noise? And our response is, yes, you should. And so then we have to uh, put through, well, well what, what does that mean? So like I said, oh, and EASA, the European authority, has just put out a, a noise uh, capability and I'm pretty sure that noise was mentioned in the reauth uh, multiple times. Uh, that that appeared to include UAS and it is absolutely a big deal with AAM, so advanced air mobility. So air taxis and uh, people are really jittery about. Oh my gosh, where is there going to be a vertiport near my near my home? So that makes a lot of noise. So that will uh, we will. Uh, be the unfortunate beneficiary of that regulation. So this is very important to us. Drones aren't allowed to be heard more than... 
Super quiet props, right? In in before, uh, drones aren't allowed yeah. to be heard for more than 50 feet away. <laughs> yes. Yes. <clears throat> yes. And we're, well, we may try to uh, institute something uh, instead of decibels, then, you know, maybe we'll get a Pascal rating. That's the, the newer uh, uh, sound uh, way to measure things, and so I understand. Okay, so, uh, as Josh was saying, three of us and then four for one day will be in lovely Malvern, Ohio at Flight Fest. So if you're going to Flight Fest, we hope to see you there. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking forward to it uh, a lot. It is a, a fantastic event. It is a family-friendly event uh, in that uh, there are a lot of kids flying RC, and we're there to help um, bring FPV drones to uh, 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 to people's awareness. There's a lot more of... Uh, augmented uh, RC model airplanes. Uh, they put flight controllers in them. They put uh, FPV cameras on them. So the notion of, oh, it's a drone, is uh, is becoming a shorter bridge. And so then we're, we'll have a number of, uh, we'll have 10 gates up and we'll fly uh, casually, no races, uh, just to give, give people a feeling of flying through gates and probably fixing a couple drones like we did last year nonstop. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> we'll be in the Pilot Institute uh, booth as well as in a probably under a build tent as well, and we'll set mm -hmm. up uh, stations uh, on the field. So we're um, we're looking uh, looking forward to being there, and uh, the host flight test uh, is a, a great uh, bunch of people, and we're excited to uh, to be there, and hopefully we can play with uh, uh, one or more right. of the flight test broadcast modules. Yep, 100%. All right, guys. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will see you all in two weeks and uh, look forward to it. And we'll see what else we can glean from uh, these two uh, bills from the separate uh, houses of Congress. And uh, we'll get back to you on on uh, next steps after that. Can't wait to hear so. your stories about Flight Fest at our next meeting. Yeah, yes. that'll be fun. All right, guys. Have a great night. Take, Take care. care. Thank Thank you. Everybody.